more expensive or or you know provides more coverage for example if it's insurance or um than you need because because of that conflict and it's you know it's it's the way that the industry works and so how can the industry get away with that then well the good news is there's a lot going on in the industry today in terms of action that financial services companies are taking proactively as well as legislation um the department of labor put together uh recent legis- uh, legislation around um, this concept of planners, ret- uh, financial planners who are working with retirement plan assets needing to be a fiduciary and operate in the best interest of their clients. The previous standard was the suitability standard, which means meant they couldn't do something that was kind of more grossly negligent. Now we're moving, at least with retirement plan assets, towards the fiduciary standard, which is going to be a big jump, you know, big step forward. So it is something that's getting better. Fees are going down. There are new alternatives. Uh, What we do is, you know, workplace financial wellness, which is an employee benefit where employees get access to uh, financial planners that are on staff as full-time educators. Wow, that's great. There's no conflict of interest, and they can have unlimited financial guidance. There's robo-advisors. There's um, account aggregation tools like Mint.com. There's so many new um, alternatives for people that want help uh, managing their money that are much more aligned with their interest. And so it's an exciting time in the industry, and the industry is progressing but historically, that's been the structure is, you know, this commission-based model, which is, you know, again, not necessarily, you know, always in in conflict, you know, with the individual, but in many cases it is. Right. And, you know, the, the confusing jargon is enough to make us just throw up our hands and say, you take care of it. You know, it just, it's, to me at least, it's just, you know, small cap funds and large cap funds and ETFs. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm left brain or right brain. I'm not, I'm not sure which it is, but, <laughs> but, but it's, it's the opposite of the creative side. So I know it's, <laughs> so I, I, I know it's the, that one that I, and, you know, and it just, it's just, I personally just kind of freeze up when I hear this stuff and kind of almost shut down. And I think a lot of people do. And, you know, and, and, and it, that's what I think really forces people into feeling that they need a financial planner or advisor. But, um, you know, how, so how do we keep our listeners away from the Bernie, Bernie Madoffs of the world? Well, yeah, I want to go back to this you take care of it thing. And I, I get it. I mean, God, if I could go into my doctor and he could or she could run on the treadmill for me, and eat the vegetables for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love that. I I would love that. And but the reality is. So you what know, you're I saying? Would, you don't want to be on a treadmill and you don't want to eat vegetables? No, I would love <laughs> to be fit and live to a hundred without having to do any of the the hard work to get there. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. The vegetables, okay. especially. Good, we're friends. But, but, okay. So I would. I think we would. We we all want to delegate things that are on unpleasant or uncomfortable or, you know, require mm-hmm. some sacrifice or, or going up a learning curve. But the reality is, I think with our health, we have accepted that the doctor is there to help facilitate our health and certainly cure illness and, and check up on us. But 
we have to do the work to live a healthy lifestyle. And the same thing is true with your finances. And I think once people make that shift and realize, okay, this is my responsibility, the government's not going to take care of me completely. My company is probably no longer going to be offering me, you know, the pension plans of generations ago. So I'm, right. you know, bit on my own there. I have to take care of myself and I can do this. And the good news is, would you rather trust the government or trust yourself? Right. I think it's much better, you know, that we're trusting ourselves now. And once you make that mind shift, then it's a process. And, you know, the book outlines, it gives you a, a whole checklist. It's a process of just taking some simple steps, automating things as much as possible, and and living a financially healthy lifestyle. It's not nearly as hard as people make it out to be. To your question on the Bernie Madoffs, that's also a process of knowing the questions to ask and the things to look for and making sure that you're on top of what is going on. You don't need to know every detail of every investment, but you do need to know what the red flags are, and you do need to be an active participant when you're working with any sort of financial Okay, planner. so listeners Delegating keep... your financial security is not an option. Mm-hmm, exactly. So listeners take your head out of the sand if it's in there. Uh, what your financial planner isn't telling you is the name of the book that we're talking about with the author, Liz Davidson. And, um, and we've got some fascinating information that she's giving us. You know, Liz... Um, Advisor fees, they can be very, very high. Um, And it really, it's kind of like always running uphill, you know, trying to make money, but then getting hit with these fees. And I mean, uh, they seem so, they seem so high, Um, you know, and and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it's something that is a big a big factor and a big concern that people really do need to be paying attention to. Um, Advisor fees run the gamut and traditionally it's been embedded in, you know, the cost of investing. So you're not writing a check. Right. It's being taken out of. Yeah. It's very sneaky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and I don't think, I mean, look, this is not a grand conspiracy or anything like that. It's the way things have been done. And, and, people don't often realize, I mean, I've had people say, oh, my, you know, my advisor doesn't charge me anything. <laughs> it's like, no, well, no, yeah. no, actually, oh, they have yeah. to feed their children. They have to send their children to, to college and, you know, they have, they have to live. And, and so it's making sure you know what are those fees. Well, book- uh, right. But they, but they don't they don't lay them out for you. I mean, they really really don't. Um, I don't think un, unless you ask, they don't tell. And you have to ask. You do have to ask. But to me, see that does seem a little sneaky because you know the, here you are going to this professional and oh they're so charming they're always so nice. I I, I don't know if I, I've never met a financial planner that doesn't seem so nice and so charming. Um, you know, and, and I just, you know, they don't say, well, you know, this is going to cost you X amount, an X percentage. You do have to absolutely ask that question. And to me, that seems a little off. To me, it would seem that it would be more upfront if they said, okay, so you've got whatever it is, $50,000 and I'm going to charge you 2% a year. You know exactly what you're paying. Why, why would they not tell you that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's embedded in the fine print and the paperwork you sign. The but fine print. here's the reality. Here's the reality. It The situation is what it is. You mm-hmm. do have to ask, and you should absolutely ask for a full accounting of all the fees, not only anything the advisor is charging, but the underlying fees associated with the fund's recommending. So you know what is my total fee, and I want a line item by line item accounting of this, and I want to make this part of whatever paperwork I sign. Mm -hmm. And a good advisor will absolutely do that. And, you know, a lot of them are starting to be more proactive, believe it or not, about doing that. And so one good sign, if you're looking for an advisor and they're very upfront, proactively about the fees, Mm -hmm. and they're also um, explaining the other investments they've looked at in that category and com- comparing and contrasting fees and long-term performance and so forth, you you can feel pretty good about them. So the more transparent and open and upfront they are about those things, you know, the better advisor they are. And more of them are, are really starting to go that route because they recognize it's the right thing to do. And they, I think there's been an ignorance. There's been the thought that consumers understand this because they understand it. So consumers understand it. They signed the paperwork. We went through this. Mm. But no, no, mm. it needs mm. to be much more transparent. It, 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 that's exactly right. That is exactly the word. It needs to be more transparent. And, um, you know, what I'm wondering about is the, um, the each EFTs, or E, what are they called, EFTs? Exchange traded funds. Yeah. Now, talk to our listeners a little bit about that because you know we hear about them a lot, and and I bet there is a listener or two that wants to know. I mean, it's you know it's an alternative um, essentially to uh, an index fund. Mm -hmm. Um, In an index fund, I mean, really, what they're designed to do is replicate the market. So it's a way to kind of buy into the stock market and be diversified without you know owning, you know, the S&P 500, the 500 um, stocks that make up that index. So, you know, it's something I think to consider if, I mean, you know, the the fees are very low. Um, it's very liquid, meaning that you can trade it very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something definitely to consider. I think one concern that needs to, that people should be aware of is you can get caught up in a trading mentality, Um with exchange traded funds. So you have to be careful because studies show the more you buy and sell, odds are against you. You're kind of betting against the house because you have costs associated with those transactions and you know what people tend to do. What happens? The market goes down, they hold on, waiting for it to go up, it goes down a little more, they maybe hold on a little more and then it goes down, they can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And they sell and then they wait it out and it goes up and it goes up and then it kind of reaches its peak and they buy. And so it's something, you know, that I think you got to be very careful not to get into the mentality of, of kind of becoming a trader, so to speak, with, with ETFs, because that defeats the purpose, which is, you know, what you really want to do when you invest is invest for the long term and invest in low-fee funds, first and foremost, that have low turnover 
and are buying and holding their investments because over the long term, the odds are in your favor that the market's going to appreciate and appreciate at a greater rate than most other investments. But if you're constantly buying and selling, you're not getting that benefit of taking that long-term approach. Got it. So um, what can we do to maximize our chances of a high return on our investments? Yeah, you know, there's a whole chapter in the book. It's called the 3% return advantage that uh, goes through this. In the book, by the way, it's um, what your financial advisor isn't telling you. It's not what your financial planner, just for those. Oh, know, that... I'm so sorry. I'm no, so sorry. No, no problem. And it's usually I have the book right in front of me, but for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't today. No, I'm sure <laughs> I've made that mistake since my book. So it's just, just for listeners that may want to look into it. But um Wait, so, so it's what your a, financial advisor, you said, right? Advisor isn't telling you, yes. So there is a, a whole chapter on what we call the 3% return advantage, which is looking at over time, how can you set yourself up to put the odds in your favor by an average of 3% per year? Now, this doesn't mean that every single year you're going to be 3% above the average investor. It means you're putting odds in your favor, and over the long run, you're likely to reap the rewards. And what it really comes down to, first and foremost, low fee funds, because the one thing you can, that is guaranteed about investing is the fees. No one can guarantee you, at least if you're investing you know, in, in kind of traditional stock market mutual funds or so forth, no one's going to guarantee a return. But they, and if they do, that's a sign of returning payoff, but mm-hmm. they can guarantee the fees. So you know, no matter what, that is a cost. And the lower that cost, the better. Um, the second thing, and this kind of goes hand in hand with fees, but is to look for um, low turnover funds. By turnover, it's um, the frequency at which they buy and sell the underlying investments. And if they're making a lot of purchases and sales, there's a lot of charges that you end up bearing mm-hmm. transaction fees. Right. So, And they tend to not buy and sell at the right times, just like regular investors. So a buy and hold strategy. Now, index funds have both a low fee and they are buy and hold because they're really replicating a certain section of the market. The most common is the S&P 500 index, which is the 500 largest companies in the market. So that's a great strategy right there that puts you at about a 2% advantage over time. The other thing is something called rebalancing. And what that's doing is when you, you, you know, can work with a planner or with, you know, a financial educator, if you have a benefit at work where you have access to financial wellness and you can talk to a planner on the phone who's not trying to sell you anything, work with that financial coach on what's the right allocation for you and your 401k and other investments. And for sake of argument, let's say it's 50% stock investments and 50% bond investments. Well, when your stock investments, your stock mutual funds get, let's say the market goes up and they get to 65%, and then your bonds are 35% because, you know, that stocks are 65 you're out of whack. That's the time to sell off the stock investments and bring them back down to your original allocation of 50% because they've gone up. So you're selling likely at a high or near a high. And then you're buying um, the bond investments, mm-hmm. you know, when they're, you know, more reasonably priced. And so if you do that habitually, where you say every time the market moves five to 10% and my allocation gets out of whack, I'm going to adjust back. That over time puts odds in your favor by buying high 
I'm sorry, buying? <laughs> buying <laughs> low and selling high. And selling no. high. Now, Wait. notice I said buying high. That's because that's what most people do. That's what we're talking when we talk to employees. That's what we're talking about is don't buy high. Don't buy high. We use that phrase more. But buying low and selling high. And it's just a discipline. And it's hard to do emotionally, but you, you commit to doing that. Mm-hmm. And you're going you're gonna to really see a big difference in your long-term returns. Right, right. Well, it's it, right. I I have a friend who um, actually works at the radio station as well. And used to do uh, was a stockbroker, and when the market would go down, it's like oh, and he always says, "Great buying opportunity." <laughs> but I was like, "Oh, what are you kidding me?" And anyway, okay. You know what? We have some questions um, from Facebook, and that I would like to address. But we do need to take a short break and hear uh, from our sponsors. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's restaurant guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Looking for a unique gift for a special occasion or a fabulous piece of sterling silver jewelry? Sunburst Trading in Raleigh has you covered. With jewelry and baubles from all over the world, Sunburst Trading knows what you want. Located at 160 Newburyport Turnpike, you'll want to make sure you stop by today and get a little taste of awesome. Or visit their online store at sunbursttrading.com. Sunburst Trading is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Visit them on Route 1, Newburyport Turnpike in Raleigh. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Looking for a unique gift for a special occasion or a fabulous piece of sterling silver jewelry? Sunburst Trading in Raleigh has you covered. With jewelry and baubles from all over the world, Sunburst Trading knows what you want. Located at 160 Newburyport Turnpike, you'll want to make sure you stop by today and get a little taste of awesome or visit their online store at sunbursttrading.com. Sunburst Trading is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Visit them on Route 1, Newburyport Turnpike in Raleigh. 
Don't waste your precious time searching endlessly for your flooring or kitchen and bath needs. The best kept secret on the North Shore, Fitzgerald Stone and more. It's your one-stop shop right on Route 1 in Peabody. A family-owned business, Vivian and Tom are dedicated to quality and customer satisfaction, which is why they have a reputation statewide for their expertise. Offering cabinets, countertops, porcelain, and natural stone tiles from all over the world, no project is out of reach. And Fitzgerald Stone is competitively priced, so don't waste any more time shopping around. Stop by Fitzgerald Stone and more, 108 Newbury Street in Peabody, or visit them online at www.fitzgeraldstone.com. Open Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday, 9 to 5, and closed on Sundays. New England winters can wreak havoc on our vehicles. Sometimes it's just not enough to wash and vacuum them. Sometimes a full detail is in order. Do you remember the last time your car or truck was in that pristine condition? Remember how you felt? It's time to get that feeling back again. A full detailing from Tony's Recon can get you back in the driver's seat. Call Tony at 978-590-3693 or visit Tony'sRecon.com. You'll be glad you did. Want to escape to a little taste of Paris? Then you want to journey over to Jolie Tea Company, located across from the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem, and enjoy the sensory experience of tea. With over 200 loose-leaf teas and a knowledgeable staff that can guide you in your tea selection, you'll want to stop by Jolie Tea Company, 105 Essex Street in Salem, for the most healthful and balancing beverage that you can treat your body and soul to. They carry a full line of tea accessories, sweets, scones, and chocolate. So visit them today for an unforgettable experience, or visit them at Is the tnu.com. I have found the best-kept secret on the North Shore, family-owned and operated Stacy's Home Decor, located at 20 Wheeler Street in Lynn, is celebrating their 100th year in business. They'll transform your living space, I know, because they transformed mine. They offer a huge variety of window coverings, so you can count on their team to coordinate your decorating project from start to finish. Whether you're looking to redecorate or need a designer for your new home, Stacy's Home Decor is the place to go. So call them today at 781-595-0097 or visit them at their website at stacyshomedecor.com. They offer complimentary in-home consultations, offering clients the advantage of using their own environment and natural lighting to ensure the perfect treatment every time. So don't waste another minute. Call them today at 781 781- Five nine five zero zero nine seven. Let's go, girls. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Liz Davidson. She has written a book. She is the author of the book, What the What Your Financial Advisor Isn't Telling You. It is a great name for a book, and it's a great book. Pick it up. Um, she's giving us lots of fantastic information. So um, if you're just tuning in now, um, obviously pick up her book to, to catch up from where we left off. Um, welcome back, Liz. Oh, thanks. How's that ear doing? It's doing good. It just popped right as I said thanks. <laughs> open it up. <laughs> uh, I have a question from someone from Facebook here. Um, I have a prudential annuity, and I find it very confusing. What is your opinion on annuities? Okay. So here's where I have to be careful. I um, Legally, we are not a financial advisory firm. We're a financial education firm. Okay. So. 
we do not deliver financial advice and I legally can't do so myself. But here's what I can say is annuities, just like any financial vehicle, have their pros and cons. And so what really it's about is, is the investment right for your needs? So the very first thing you should be doing working with any financial uh, advisor or planner is having them understand what are your needs and then they should be backing into, based on that, you know, what are the right investments for you. So annuities can be, I mean, the, the big purpose of an annuity is that it allows you to take kind of a lump sum of money and instead of having the invest, investment risk yourself, you're um, getting a monthly check um, from that annuity so and it typically you know will last your entire life so it's kind of giving yourself your own pension plan so to speak so there's a lot of utility to it for people especially you know looking at their retirement years where they have this fixed cost of living they want that covered by the annuity and then they want to use you know any remaining assets they have in their 401k or other accounts for unexpected expenses um, or vacations or, you know, passing that wealth on to uh, their heirs. So annuities have a place, but you have to be very, very, very careful that you understand the fees, the conditions. They are extremely complex. This is where an unbiased resource, like a financial wellness benefit at work, um, if you have a financial wellness benefit where you can talk to someone that your employer has contracted with that is completely unbiased and they can analyze the pros and cons of your costs relative to your benefits, is this the right annuity for you, all of that, that's where that you know, unbiased uh, perspective comes into play because oftentimes you may have an annuity that's more expensive than it needs to be or doesn't have the terms and conditions you really need. Okay, well, hopefully, um, without giving her opinion, um, she answered your question, whoever you are. Um, Bill from Duxbury would like to know, my wife and I have a completely different perspective on how to save money, and it's destroying our marriage. Can you give us any advice? Uh, you know what? Actually, I will, um, Bill, if you want to email me, um, I will actually send you a copy of the book because there <laughs> is... A chapter, and I, I mean that, um, my email is ldavidson at financialfinesse.com. Your life partner um, may be your worst financial enemy, or you know it could be your best financial friend. So very, very common, and this is something that advisors do not talk about because they're not marriage counselors, is the fact that who you marry and how you manage your relationship around money is a bigger dictator of your financial success than anything else. The good news is we've worked with thousands, probably at this point tens of thousands of couples that were not on the same page at all and gotten them on the same page and, and their marriages have you know, been saved as a result. Um, but it is critical to put into place uh, regular meetings with your spouse to, to get on the same page with what your goals are, to be fully transparent and both of you understanding your budgets and who's going to handle what responsibilities and what your boundaries are. Um, and that works differently for every couple. But, you know, 
it, it's a process of, of coming together and figuring out a path forward, ignoring the problem or continuing to argue about it and stick to your respective positions is the worst thing you can do. But the book goes through exactly, you know, what you can do um, to rectify that situation. And I will actually send you a copy because if this makes a difference to your marriage, it's it's well worth it. It's well worth it. Well, actually, I had intended, and I and it slipped my mind, Liz, I had actually wanted you to send me an extra book so that I could give one away <laughs> on the air, but now you already beat me to it. You know, so hopefully that helps, Bill. But, you know, speaking of money in marriage, I think that is so... I mean, we could do an entire show on how a couple deals with money in relationship. It It... It tells us so much about our our relationship in general. You know, it's it's how we th- how we think about money, what money means to us. There's this whole backstory with all of that. You know, um, if you didn't come from from much, um, you know, it's it which I did not. And, you know, to me, it's a sense of security. It's a, a sense of it's not about like, you know, who has the biggest car and the you know, keeping up with the Joneses or any of that stuff. It's be having control over my life. And I think that how we view money, it, again, it, it, it really is very telling about who we are and how we think. And if there's, um, you know, a real difference in the way a couple thinks about money, that in itself can be an issue, let alone how to save it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting because there's two ways to look at this. You know, they say that um, financial problems are the number one cause of divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, but so so it's a cause of problems in your marriage, but it's also potentially a symptom of problems in your marriage, if that makes sense, that you guys, yes. that the two people may be viewing life differently. And right. one thing we do in the book is we have six different financial identities, and this is, you know, from working with hundreds of thousands of people, but also drawn upon my own personal experience. Um, and when I say working with hundreds of thousands, I mean our firm, not me personally. Mm-hmm. But on my own personal experience with my husband, you know, is recognizing that people value money differently and and, and place value on different mm-hmm. things. Absolutely. So for example, for example, he is a He's a thing per guy. He likes his electronics. He likes his cars. To me, these are depreciating assets. I look at it as a, from a financial planner's perspective, and I say, right. unless it's a collectible car, you know, which he does buy some of, but you know, that that TV is going to get obsolete. That new electronic gadget is going to get obsolete. Like, what? Why are you know? Why are you spending your money on this? Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, um, am very frugal when it comes to things, but when it comes to experiences, I will go all out on a party because we're going to remember that the rest of our lives. We're going to have all our pictures from it. We're going to be talking about it. Absolutely. Bring the family together. He thinks, well, that's one night. Why would you spend all that money? So what we've done is we have a joint account, which, you know, we can both contribute to and covers, you know, our, our basic living expenses. And then we have our respective individual accounts, you know, from the money we earn. And, you know, he can spend his his money on his electronics and his cars, and I spend my money on the experiences, you know, and, and we're fine. I mean, we, we kind of roll our eyes at each other sometimes, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. And I've grown to 
understand him better. And now I know when I give him a gift, I need to give him a thing. <laughs> I used to give him trips and like these kind of experience type things. And that's not, doesn't work for him. And he knows, yeah, giving me, you know, this nice watch, not, not going to really be appreciated. Giving me a weekend getaway, you know, that, that's going to go a long way. And so you just, you, you know, you learn not to judge and just understand each other and, and work you know, with your natural personalities, but in a way that's not detrimental to your overall finances. We also change and forget to tell our partners. You know, I think that there's a time, you know, at different ages, we value different things. Uh, You know, and, um, you know, there was a time when, you know, the nicer um, kinds of jewelry, you know, the ones with the, the... the stones, you know, <laughs> better known as diamonds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, I'd love a diamond bracelet. Oh, sure, I'd love a diamond pendant. But, you know, and then as I, you know, got a little older, sort of came into more of my own and really um, embraced my artistic side, I found that, you know, it wasn't that the nice, the really super nice, quote unquote, jewelry that I liked. It was the more artistic pieces, the more creative pieces, you know. Um, so we do change our priorities of what we want and, and how we do want to spend our our money. You know, Liz, I, I before the break, we, we do have more questions, but, you know, we were talking about maximizing our chances of, of higher returns on our investments, and I want to make sure that we completed that, or if there was more for us to share, for you to share with our listeners, because I'd hate for the show to end and, and not have completed that. Well, what, one thing I would say is, you know, and, and we talk about this in the book, is really prioritizing your um, company's retirement plan over outside investments. And the reason is your company um, likely or may have a match, so you may be getting some free money that you would be leaving on the table if you took that same amount of money and invested with a financial advisor outside of your company. And you know, almost always, unless you work for a really small firm, um, your company is able to negotiate better fees on the very same investments that you could get outside of the company. And then the third thing is, you know, when you invest in your 401k or, you know, 403b, if you're in a nonprofit organization, it's coming directly out of your paycheck. And so there's that behavioral aspect where you don't have to do anything. It's coming out of your paycheck allocated towards your future and that's incredibly um important Mm -hmm. versus having to proactively try to save which is you know really a much harder thing for us to do so really make sure you're you're maxing that out um versus you know going outside now if you've maxed out your 401k um you know and you've taken advantage of any other financial benefits you have at work then, you know, and you have extra money, then that's when, you know, you should look outside. But that's if you're employed by someone, you may, what if you're self-employed? Yeah, if you're self-employed, then yes, it's a different, different scenario. Um, You know, that's where you can work uh, with a financial planner. And there, you know, there's different vehicles you can set up that have, um, you know, tax advantages that can kind of replicate a 401k plan. Um, we are, 
we recommend in those cases working with a financial planner that charges ideally hourly or by the financial plan so they can really get you what you need, but, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, they're setting you up with the right um, vehicles for saving, but not necessarily making a commission from the investments. Mm-hmm. Liz, you know what, I just want to veer off for just um, a few moments and talk about um the differences between men and women facing um, big retirement savings challenges, because my understanding is the hurdle is a little higher for women, um, you know, to have a decent standard of living in old age, women earn on an average 78 cents to a man's dollar. And uh, my understanding is that they need to save $126 for every hundred men do. So, um, if that's correct, then there's a big elephant in the room, lower Social Security benefits, longer life expectancy, lower retirement savings, balances because of lower paying jobs, all compound into this incredibly large shortfall. Yes. So, yes, it let's is talk about that for correct. a bit. It's a huge issue, and it's interesting with all this focus on uh, pay equity, which I think is absolutely important, mm-hmm. um, that what is missing is the focus on education equity and making sure that um, women are are fully equipped to make up for the shortfall? Because even if you even if you uh, get the that pay gap down to zero, so that for the same exact job, you know, a woman makes the same as a man, it, it, there's still issues related to living longer. Uh, women have higher health care expenses. Right, right. Women tend to avoid taking risk, um, especially if they don't have, you know, the financial education they need to know that, you know, the, the risk um is worth taking if you're looking at long-term investments. But by avoiding taking risk, often their returns aren't as high, and so their money's not able to last as long. So there are so many obstacles. Even if you completely reduce the pay gap, um, there are so many obstacles. And this is something that I think, you know, when we look at like a disease like breast cancer, for example, mm-hmm. we know men men actually do get breast cancer, but yep. women are at much greater risk. Right. So women are the ones that need to be more proactive about screening and, you know, just taking care of themselves in that area. Same thing when it comes to retirement planning. We should be telling our daughters, um, our young female employees, look, as a woman, you are at higher risk when it comes to retirement planning. So you're going to have to take, be extra vigilant, mm-hmm. vigilant or vigilant, 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 vigilant. I know it's, one of, those, it's one of those ex- words that, you know, as we age, we get, we start getting dyslexic. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I'm at that age. Oh, so stop it. Okay. Ex- extra, extra, um, Vigilant. <laughs> I, I, do that, I do that sometimes. I'm on the phone with a guest, and I, I've just asked them how to pronounce their name, and they've told me, and I still can't get it right. So it's okay. We're talking to Liz Davidson. She is the author of What Your Financial Advisor Isn't Telling You. Anyway, and um, so and we're practicing how to say vigilant. Um <laughs> But anyway, okay. So you know this. You know what worries me too, Liz, is that um, I think that dare I say 
I'm, I'm trying to think about how to say this, but, it, you know, women, we as women, you know, we still to some degree have that mentality that men, and, and, and you know what, I'm, and I'm a little better at this than I think a lot of my friends, but still there's that sort of mentality that money is a man's job, you know? <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to, to um, you know, like when the, we... Do you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to put it into words and I'm it's not yes. coming out right because yes. I'm trying to figure exactly out how to be I'm trying to say it in a in a way that is not, you know, um but it's true, you know, sort of like I I you know, I'd always been very independent, owned my own business, owned my own businesses, actually. And then yet when I got married, I kind of just let my shoulders drop. All of a sudden, you know, kind of dropped the proverbial ball of Oh, excuse me. I don't I'm choking on it just thinking about it now. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't you know, just kind of forgetting I don't have to think about the money anymore. You know, and and I did that for a time, you know, and um I think that's kind of natural, you know, old heart habits die very hard, um, you know, and roles that women and men take on. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, so much so that, you know, I interviewed a woman um, a couple of years ago now when she makes more than him, I think might be the name of the book, not exactly sure, but Farouk Tarobi wrote it. And I mean, obviously, so that, you know, there is this mentality about men and money and women and being taken care of. And and I know we've come a long way, baby, you know, <laughs> but it, there's still that, there's still some of that. And I think that, that... Uh, um, creates can be uh, can create a real nightmare for women. Absolutely, and it's you know it's interesting because I think it goes back to this Prince Charming yes. kind of fairy tale. Yes, and so you know we I think grow up and you know we want to be a princess and treated like a princess. And what I'm starting to tell um, you know younger women that I mentor and and um, know in my life is. Don't be the princess. Be the queen. Be oh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's just so true. You know, the cin- Cinderella uh, complex. I- I'm telling you, I still think it's it's alive and well. Um, but anyway, so we've got more questions and less time. We're running out of time, and so I want to hit some of these. Um, here's a very good one. I like this question. It's uh, the person is not leaving their name. They're anonymous. It says, oh, and I'm seeing why now. I just inherited $500,000 and would like to buy a condo in cash. Is that sensible? I'm not in a huge tax bracket, so I don't really need a write-off. Uh, you know, again, the... Um, well, there is, the art is not just necessarily in making money, but you want to keep it too, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It, there's so many dimensions to that question, and I think I this know. is where, again... You know, if you have a benefit at work where you can talk to someone completely unbiased, yep. uh, this is, you know, they could walk you through the considerations. But there's so many considerations in terms of how are your other assets invested? I mean, if they're heavily invested in real estate, you know, just a, another real estate investment might not be the best decision. Um, so is 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 the condo the best use of your money, um, period? And then you know, looking at, is it, you know, the pros and cons of buying in cash and, you know, 
how that can impact you. I mean, you have your money tied up, or, which is a lack of liquidity. And, you know, we're in the process of selling a home now, and I can tell you it's, you know, it's certainly, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a process. So mm-hmm. so are you going to need that money? And if, if you are okay having it tied up, you know, then it makes a little bit more sense. Um, if you foresee a need for it, you don't want to be in a situation where you have to sell quickly and, you right. know, potentially lose money or sell for less than, you know, you want to. So there's a whole host. The, the thing about finances is there is no, anyone that says there's an answer, yes, no, you know, right. is, is wrong. I mean, that's a red flag right there that, you know, anyone that would say, yes, absolutely do it or no, don't, don't do it without having more context and really talking through and understanding your full situation and your needs um, right there is, is a red flag that, you should not use that financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to talk to, ideally see if you have a workplace financial wellness program that you can tap into. If not, um, you know, look into um, finding a financial planner that ideally could work with you on an hourly basis, you know, spend a little bit of time and help you analyze the situation. Yeah, you know, it's when it comes to something like that, putting cash into real estate, you know, I think there's... It, Like you said, I mean, there's so many parts, moving parts to that as well. I mean, there's something to be said for sure of not having to pay a mortgage every month. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I mean, that can be a great feeling. So mentally and, 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 you know, when you're worrying about money, it can make you seriously ill. So, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many pieces to that, I just might add. So, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you have to kind of determine you know, what is most important to you, not just from, um, you know, what's best for you financially, but also how you're going to feel mentally. Yeah. And, you know, if you are a spender, it might be a better idea. Mm, that's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do because you're, you're, you're putting money into an asset that is likely to appreciate value and you wouldn't, I mean, I know you can, you know, refinance and so forth, but you or, or uh, get a home equity loan, but, you know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have as easy access to that money. Um, you know, I will say this to that person, kudos for you to you for focusing on putting the money into something that is an investment right. as opposed to what so many people do that we hear every day when they get an inheritance is, you know, really want to spend it. Like, you mm. know, right. like there's this found money. Like, I didn't expect this. This came to me. It's a windfall. Yeah, well, and that right. attitude can really get you into trouble. Well, we hope that real estate is an investment, and usually it is, if you can hold it long enough. Um, Liz, you, you say that the best performing mutual funds typically make for the worst investments. Now, that's a big surprise. So can you, you share with us why you say that? Yes. So you know how you see often on the cover of different financial magazines, like the top funds in 2015, or, you know, that's, that's something that happens pretty regularly. What they're typically doing is, you know, just looking at which funds had the best return over typically a relatively short period of time, like a year. Um, What that means often is that those funds are actually at their high. Ah. Because if you think about it, they've had (laughs) this great return. (laughs) Um, You're buying high if you buy those funds. So there's actually studies have been done on this by independent firms that there's actually a negative, you know, a correlation. So if you buy those best performing funds, you're actually 
likely to do worse than someone that buys the worst performing or average performing funds just because of that dynamic. Um, what you really should be looking for, again, is focusing on the fees first and foremost and focusing on the funds that are right for your risk tolerance and your investment goals. And, you know, I could do a whole segment on that, but, you know, really what is right for you when you create your own portfolio? Index funds are a great option. Target date funds are another very good option because what they do is they they can diversify for you across a bunch of different funds. Many cases, those funds are index funds and do so for a relatively low fee and it's kind of a set it and forget it and they're doing the rebalancing that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So it they can be a very powerful vehicle. Um, they're not necessarily going to be on the list of best performing funds because they're extremely diversified and they're probably not going to have these extreme high or extreme low returns necessarily, but they're, for a long-term investment, you know, they can serve a very good purpose for someone that wants to, you know, set it and forget it as opposed to being very hands-on with their investments. What your financial advisor isn't telling you is the name of the book that we're talking about today. And I'm speaking with Liz Davidson, and I think we have time for about two more questions. Let's see how, how if we can give each question about two minutes. Um, Dennis from Seabrook, New Hampshire would like to know, I have a really difficult time trying to figure out what I'm really worth. It's probably too big a question. <laughs> I'm not so sure what that, okay, so, okay, so I don't know. So Liz, do you have an answer for that or is that too big a question? You know, what you're really worth to, to boil it down very simply in a short period of time is essentially your assets, all the stuff you own minus all the debts that you have. So, you know, there we do have a net, wor- uh, net worth uh, worksheet, which, again, in your book, email- um, I actually it is available. Um, the book has a companion website it is available there. So, yes, if you buy the book, you can get it in the companion website and it, it takes you through the process of calculating your net worth. Beautiful. OK, well, that was quick and easy. And so good. We can go on to Melinda from East Boston would like to know health insurance is so expensive for a single person today. Any advice? Six fifty a month is a lot to swallow. Yes, that is a lot to swallow. Um, but that's what it is today. Unfortunately, it's you know, and it's not even necessarily the, the best health insurance you can get. Do you have anything that you can share with with Melinda as well as our listeners about health insurance? Because that's just it really is. It's kind of a nightmare. Yeah, in this, so in the the brief amount of time we have, I I guess the biggest thing I would say is, um, and I don't know if this is you know policy she's getting through work or or not, but um, I think that one of the most important things to look at when you're taking a job are the benefits, and instead of just the compensation, broadening the view, and so maybe if if you look at the total of what you're getting. So you have your comp part, but then, you know, the benefit of having a company that is covering a large percentage of your health care premium and has very good health insurance options, you know, is, is something that sh- should be a priority. Now, I might be stating the obvious, but, you know, I think your employer is still often the, the very best place to get health insurance and at that rate you're paying, it may not be 
you know, if that is something you're getting through your employer, there are probably employers that um, have better options for you. I would think so. Liz, I would love to keep going. You have just given us so much information, but we do have to stop. What is your website? It's uh, www.financialfinesse.com. And that's really if you're an employer looking to provide financial wellness to your employees. For employees, um, www.financialfinesse.com backslash FID for Financial Independence Day is where you can get a whole host of resources to help you become financially independent. And your book, you can get on Amazon, I assume, anywhere. Amazon, bookstores, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. It's time to wrap things up. We've got to say goodbye. I wish we could have stayed longer, but we've got to go. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Hope you have a great week. See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week.